I'm Donovan Kane. Welcome back to the podcast and this full-length audiobook presentation of Red Sin, book number one of the Sin series, written by New York Times, USA Today, and Wall Street Journal best-selling author Aletha Romig, and read to you by Samantha Prescott and Stephen Dexter. And now, episode 16 of Red Sin. Chapter 16. Julia. Walking down the stairs, I heard the sound of a vacuum before I came to the bottom step and face to face with a woman I assumed was Margaret, the lady who Van had mentioned. Wearing blue jeans and a sweatshirt, she was moving about the tile and wood floors with a pull-behind vacuum. Although she had some signs of age, such as a few wrinkles, with her short blonde hair, fit figure, and abounding energy, I didn't think she was the mother in this duo. As soon as she saw me, a large smile blossomed across the woman's face. Hello, Donovan said he had a guest. I offered her my hand. That would be me. I'm Julia. Hi, Julia. I'm Margaret, and my mother, Paula, is in the kitchen. If you're hungry, she can make you something. Her friendly greeting left me with a smile. Oh, that's not necessary. I can find something. Margaret lowered her voice. I don't know how long you're visiting, Julia, but here's a bit of advice from me to you. When it comes to my mother, it's her mission in life to feed everyone. She bakes cookies for the mailman, takes cakes to doctor's offices, donates to animal shelters, volunteers at homeless food kitchens, and supplies a week's meals to Donovan, I interrupted, using the name Margaret had used for Van. I know it may not seem like he's as helpless as the dogs, cats, and homeless, but he is. That made me smile. So far, I didn't see Van as helpless in any way, but our interactions had not included cooking and cleaning. Are you saying that it would be a hopeless cause for me to refuse your mother's cooking? Margaret nodded. She tilted her head as she took me in. I'm sorry, you look familiar. If you don't mind me asking, are you Donovan's sister? His sister? I didn't know if he had a sister. Then again, I knew very little about the man. My lips came together. No, no relation. Oh. Her eyes widened. Oh. I shook my head with a smile. It's nice to meet you, Margaret. You too, Julia. The open floor plan glistened with a fresh shine and the generous amount of sunshine coming through the large windows. The frozen bay caught my attention. The snowdrifts glistened like motionless waves from yesterday's wind. Soft white clouds floated in a blue sky above the horizon. As I turned around in the living room, I was bombarded with the memories of last night. I quickly spun back to the windows, fearful we'd left clues of our night's line erasing on the glass pane. I took a step one direction and then the other, tilting my head to see from different angles. A sigh of relief came at the cleanliness of the window. Strange smudge, Margaret said, coming up behind me. I spun toward her. Excuse me? Warmth came from my toes, radiating toward my neck and cheeks. The tips of her lips curled in a friendly way. She shook her head. Very unusual, she said. 
Rarely are Donovan's windows in need of cleaning on the inside. Just normal dust and air particles. This morning, there was a rather large smudge right in the area where you are looking. She shrugged. The good news is it cleaned with no issues. I took a deep breath. That is good news. Enjoy some breakfast. I nodded, walking through the dining room on my way to the kitchen. A quick inspection of the table let me know that it was clean. I could only hope that it had been cleaned by Van, as he'd said, not Margaret. If she knew the cause of the smudge, she also knew I wasn't Van's sister. Why do I look familiar? Before I could give that more thought, my stomach growled at the delicious aromas filling the air. The six-burner stove was filled with pots and pans as a petite, older woman with dark black hair tended to each one. Such as her daughter, this woman also wore blue jeans and flat white tennis shoes. Instead of a sweatshirt, she had on a plain black top with a long black sweater over the top. Around her waist was an apron, reminding me of the ones my grandmother would wear when we baked cookies or she let me help her with something. Hello, I called out over the sounds of bubbling and simmering pots. Mrs. Mayhand, or Paula, quickly turned, wiping her hands on her apron, she scanned me up and down. There was a moment of contemplation on her part before she smiled. Hello, so you're Mr. Sherman's guest. I am, my name is Julia, she nodded. My name is Paula, most people call me Mrs. Mayhand. She winked. I think it's because they think I'm old. I'm not too old to remember my first name. I grinned. It's nice to meet you, Paula. Her smile broadened. And you too. What may I get for you? She looked at the clock. Lunch? Or is this breakfast? Technically, it was somewhere in between. We could call it brunch. Paula walked to a far counter, pulled a coffee mug from a peg. I have a pot of coffee over here. It's my indulgence while I cook. Would you like a cup? I laid my computer bag on the kitchen table and walked to the breakfast bar. I don't mind serving myself. I'm only here one day a week. Let an old lady have her way. Nodding, I sat up on the high stool. Yes, please, coffee would be great. Cream or sugar? Cream if you have it. Paula opened the refrigerator and shook her head. Is black all right? You tell me some things you like and I'll add them to the list. She handed me the warm black coffee. I really don't know how long I'll be staying. As I spoke, she wrote cream on a long list. What are you cooking? Mr. Sherman isn't much for celebrating holidays. You might have chosen a bad time to visit. I looked around the large kitchen and out to the living room. I hadn't given his lack of decorations much thought. Oh no, he doesn't decorate. I can see how it would be a lot of work for only one person to enjoy. Paula checked on her pans before pushing a light on the double oven and looking inside. She smiled and turned my way. When Peggy told me that Mr. Sherman had a guest, I decided he needed a holiday meal. She shrugged. He may not like it, but I have a turkey breast in the oven, gravy on the stove, and two different casseroles and mashed potatoes already in the refrigerator. I'll write out warming instructions. 
No sense in two people spending the holiday without plenty to eat. It sounds delicious. Now, about your brunch. Is there fruit? I asked. Oh, yes, Mr. Sherman likes his nectarines. I lifted my coffee mug to my lips, trying to hide my smile. Nectarines and coffee sounds perfect. Let me make you an English muffin. She looked at me. Or are you one of those no-carbs people? I'm one of those too-many-carbs people. I think that won me a few brownie points, as Paula grinned and nodded. Soon I was feasting on nectarines, an English muffin drenched in real butter, and coffee. I was also answering Paula's detailed questions about my eating preferences. As I said, I'm not sure how long I'll be here. Oh, child, you're changing up my cooking routine, and I couldn't be more grateful. Mr. Sherman is a creature of habit. I make six meals each week. The next week, I clean out the refrigerator of all the leftovers he didn't eat. I can almost guarantee which meals will be gone and which will be only partially eaten. Every week, I rotate the menu. If I throw in something new, I'll find it untouched the next week. I love cooking. I'm even more thrilled to mix it up a bit. She grinned my way. Is that why you're here? To mix it up? My muffin and fruit were gone. Apparently, I'd worked up an appetite last night. I'm here because Mr. Sherman advertised for someone to write his memoir. I accepted the job. Her lips came together as she nodded. He wants someone to write his story? Yes, I mean, he's an accomplished businessman from what I've read so far. I see, a book about his business feats. I suppose there would be people wanting to read about how he has done all he has accomplished. Sometimes these memoirs are more self-indulgent, I said. It's more for the subject to get the satisfaction from telling their story. Paula was back to the stove. He isn't like that. What do you mean? She adjusted the heat on a few of the burners and turned my way. I suppose that's for you to learn. No need to have your version of Mr. Sherman's story tainted by an old woman's observations. How long have you known Donovan? Long enough to know he's a private man, and it just doesn't seem right that he would want to tell the world his secrets. He has secrets, I asked. Everyone has secrets. I suppose he wants this to be about Sherman and Madison Corporation. That would make sense. The more we spoke, the more curious I was to dive into the information Van had compiled for this memoir. Did his business begin down in Madison? Paula shook her head. Start it right here. Is Madison a family name? Maybe his mother's family name? Sometimes there are questions that are better left unasked. I finished my coffee and lifted the mug and plate. Before I could go any farther, Paula shook her head. Let me do that, Julia. Peggy and I will be out of here by three. If you need anything at all before then, don't hesitate to ask. And, she pointed at her list. You think of anything else you'd like from the store or for me to prepare, be sure to tell me. There is one thing. What is it? Well, Yesterday, Donovan gave me a quick tour. He said for me to set up an office in his library. 
I smiled at the ridiculousness of my question. Could you point me toward the library? The end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Red Sin, book number one of the Sin series. Written by New York Times, USA Today, and Wall Street Journal best-selling author Aletha Romig. And read to you by Samantha Prescott and Stephen Dexter. You can find out more about Aletha Romig and her books at aletharomig.com. Find out more about the show at steamystoriesforwomen.com.